0: morning everybody and welcome to those of you joining us online we're we're excited to be together because it's Advent season which means Christmas is coming and so if you're here obviously we've got Christmas decorations around the room and throughout the building if you're home maybe you're even sitting on the couch next to your Christmas tree right it's it's exciting because Christmas is coming and and it's worth getting excited about right uh, Christmas is fun. I, I love Christmas time. Like I love Christmas music, and I love Christmas decorations, and Christmas movies, and I love Christmas puzzles. And pretty much, if you put Christmas in front of, I probably will like it. Um, because it's it's just fun. And I've I've always loved like growing up. I have so many great memories about all the excitement of Christmas, and and now as a parent, getting to pass some of those things on to our kids, and just the fun it is, right? It's, it's so much fun, but we're talking about Advent, we're talking about this, this idea that what, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And we started last week talking about hope, but it's this idea that Advent is, is this time of anticipation, right? It's, it's getting excited about and looking forward to what is going to come, right? That, that, that as we celebrate on Christmas, we're celebrating the arrival of God. Of the Savior, we're celebrating the arrival of Jesus, God with us, and so we look forward to right that as we read through the story of the Bible, all of the Old Testament, all of the saints of old, we're looking forward to this promised Messiah that was going to come, and there was this season of waiting, this period of waiting while they waited to see when is it going to happen, who is, how is this going to all play out? They were uh, excitedly anticipating what was going to come. And now that Jesus has come, we, we can fall into this trap of just man, as We get excited about Christmas. We're just looking forward to the presents and the celebrations and the fun and the festivities, which are all great things to get excited about. They're great things to look forward to, but it's not the same. Because really what we're looking forward to in celebrating and celebrating uh, is the promise of the Savior. And that's what Advent is all about, is, is this anticipation of waiting for this period of of preparation, and we talked last week that that God with us means hope, right? The good news that Jesus came as the Savior of the world gives us hope, not just for our past, but for our future, and the promise that the Savior is coming back. And so we, we, even though we celebrate at Christmas the birth of our Savior, we're also looking ahead to the fact that the promise that we know He is going to return. But we're going to continue it, because as we look at the fact that that Emmanuel, God with us, means hope. Hope requires a response. And so this week we're looking at faith. And faith is that response. And it's an incredible response because what the hope that we have is that the gospel is, is more than just hoping that someday we, we do enough good stuff to get in. Right, hoping that I'm on the right hand side of the equation, I've done enough, I've, I've been good enough, I, I know the right people, I've got enough connections that, that someday I'm going to get into heaven. The good news of the gospel, that God with us, that God came to earth to rescue us. That's what our hope is in. And that hope requires a response. It invites us into a response. And our response is faith. And so Emmanuel, God with us, it's really an invitation to faith. And so we're going to talk a little bit about faith, and and much like we did last week when Pastor Matt talked about hope, we have to to spend a little bit of time defining the word because the way that we use it in our culture today, the way that uh, the English (laughs) handle the word faith, we we use it differently. And so we want to make sure that we're on the same uh, same ground when we're talking about faith. Uh, And like any good... Bible teacher, when we talk about faith, we have to go to Hebrews 11. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're actually going to jump around in our Bible today. So if you've got your own Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If if you're using your phone, that that's great. If you don't have a Bible, there's ones that look just like this in the chairs in front of you. Um, if you're watching online, you can just click onto the Bible online too and look at that. But we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11 and you know, it's it, Not that you will, but if if you want to later get amazed at how quickly I turn between these passages we're going to talk, because I've got these little sticky notes in here. Um, And you might want to do that too, because we're going to be in Hebrews 11 for a little bit, but then we're going to be in both Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 and 2 as we look at the Christmas story. And so uh, we'll jump around a little bit, um, but maybe put something, especially as we start in Hebrews chapter 11, put something there so we can come back to it later. But I want to start this because Hebrews chapter 11 starts verse 1 with a definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so, faith is that it's this confident assurance in what we don't see and, and, and what we hope for. And that was, again, Matt talked last week that hope. We, we often think about hope as like this, this wishful thinking, right? But when we talk about hope in the Bible, it's this confident assurance. And faith is that same confident assurance in what we can't see, the things that we don't tangibly have in front of us that, that we believe, and it is a confident assurance and hope in what we don't see. And if you were here about a month ago, we were, we were talking about fear. Um, I, I shared with you, and, and many have brought it up, but I, I shared that, that I have this little fear of little plastic chairs, all right? And some of you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't here and you need a little refresher, it's just simply this fact that when you sit in a chair, it takes faith, Right? So all of you in this room are sitting down right now. Good job. You're sitting in a chair. You demonstrated faith today. If you're watching at home, I don't know, maybe you're standing up, but most likely you're probably sitting down, and you demonstrated faith, right? Because you walked into that room, and if you're at home, it's really easy because it's your own chair, but here, maybe it's not. I don't know your chairs, right? But here you walk in, you see all these chairs, and you quickly, your brain, you probably didn't even think about this, but your brain's like, this is a chair. I've seen a chair before. I know what a chair is for. And so you walked up to it, and without thinking about it, you put faith in it, and you sat down trusting that that chair was capable of holding you. And for all of you in this room, that faith paid off today. That's great. All right. And the reason I have a little fear of small plastic chairs is because that faith that I put in those chairs in the past hasn't always panned out well. All right. But I still continue to put faith in chairs. It's not like crushed my hope, and I still sit down sometimes. Um, but, but that's what faith is, right? It's this confidence in something, right? Th- this chair, again, chair is kind of a weird analogy, but it, it's helpful, right? Because the chair's not telling us, trust me, I'll hold you. Um, and yet that's what we, our brains do. We, we put faith in that object and we trust it, right? We, we do that all the time with all sorts of things. If you're here in the building, that means you got here somehow. Some sort of vehicle probably brought you here, which means you probably put faith in that vehicle or in someone who was driving that vehicle. You trusted them. Whether that was a good decision or not, we can talk about it. I'll talk with you if you want to. But but we we put faith in things all the time. And so when we talk about that Emmanuel, God with us, it's an invitation to faith. It's because God with us is this incredible claim that requires a response. And that response is faith because it's something that we can't see. But faith isn't just simply believing in something, it's more than that. Because there's lots of things, I I believe in lots of things, right? And that's one of the ways that we use faith in our current language. It's like, oh yeah, just trust in that, believe in that, And, and it's faith. But when we talk about faith, faith is something, it's belief that requires action. Right? There's a whole difference between looking at a chair and being like, I believe that that could hold me. And faith is sitting down in the chair. Right? It's, it's putting our, our belief into action. And so faith is living that out. It's putting feet to our faith. And so Emmanuel, God with us, is an invitation to faith. It's an invitation to act out on our belief. Because of the truth that of Emmanuel, that God is with us, that God came to earth as a baby, lived a perfect life, that he died and rose again. The, the hope of the gospel, that, that truth that's all wrapped up in that word, Emmanuel, God with us. It requires a, a response because really it's, it's one of two options. Either it's true, which has reaching implications to every aspect of your life. Right? If it's true that God is who he says he is and the Bible is true, man, that, that has implications to every aspect of your life, the way you live, the way you respond to people, everything. Or it's all a hoax and we're fools. But it requires a response. So we're going to look at what this invitation means an invitation of faith. And to start off with, we're going to look that faith is really an invitation to trust in something bigger than ourselves. And as we look at at this, as we look at what our response is, we're going to look at the example of of some very familiar characters from the Christmas story. And so we're going to start in in Luke chapter 2. And again, as we read through these, you, you guys are going to know these stories well. And, and here's what I want to encourage you with. Um, for a lot of you, you may read these stories multiple times over the Christmas season. You've heard them for years upon years. You could probably, as I'm reading, just kind of like say along in your head. But I don't want you to be so familiar with these stories that you miss the invitation that's there. So I want you to listen to these stories and try to, try to, to put yourself into it and, and maybe listen to it for the first time. But as we see this first example, this invitation to put our trust in something bigger than ourselves, the first examples of the shepherds. Yeah, we see their story picked up when Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds sitting out in the field doing their job at night. And all of a sudden, heaven breaks through. All all of a sudden, the sky lights up. Here's this angel talking to him again, encouraging them not to be afraid because they should have been afraid, because if that ever happens to you, please be afraid. All right? And tells them this incredible news. This this Messiah, these 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 shepherds, they're Jewish shepherds, they've they've grown up hearing all of the stories of the Old Testament. Hearing all the promises of a prophet that someday a Messiah is coming, someday a Savior is coming, someday an heir to David's throne is going to come and make everything right. And so they, they've got this in the back of their mind. They're probably not something they think about all the time, but they know that this is going to happen someday. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up and tells them the news. And what's their response? What's the shepherd's response? Their, their response is, is in response to seeing this clear glimpse of the glory of God and being told this incredible promise. Their response is, let's check it out. <laughs> let's go see. I am, again, I, I think sometimes we're like, man, well, if the angels just showed up to me all the time, I'd be like, on board, let's go check it out. It's unfair advantage to the, angel, you know, the shepherds. They got this incredible message to them. So, of course, they've got faith. They saw it. But still, they have this invitation to put their trust in something bigger than themselves, and they do it. They trust that the message is true, and so they go and see it. They've just seen this incredible breakthrough of glory in the heavens. Thousands of angels see. I don't even know how to describe what they saw. And so they go to check it out. What do they see? They see a baby wrapped in rags, lying in a dingy feeding trough surrounded by animals because his parents were too poor to get him anything better. Now, I know you guys know the Christmas stories. Where you're like, no, 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 the reason they're there is because there was no room. It's like, well, you guys know how the world works. If they had money, there would have been room, right? Somebody would have gladly gone and camped in the manger for enough money so that they could have room. But you guys know that that good business saying, right, of like under-promise and over-deliver? I think the angels messed it up. All right? Because this promise of, man, great news. The Savior has come. He's here. The, the, the God's promised Savior is here. The, the King of glory is here with you. The Messiah is here. Go check it out. And they find themselves in a barn with animals. And this poor couple in the middle of the night with a newborn. There's the Savior. What do the shepherds do? They choose to put their trust in something bigger than themselves, outside themselves. They can't explain it. They didn't have all the facts. They didn't know, how's this going to turn out? Is this baby like some unknown royalty that we don't know about and is... His grandpa's going to come find him and he's going to go live in the palace and save the world. They They didn't have all the facts. They just trusted the message. They trusted the promise. And what did they do? They worshiped him and then they went out and told everybody about him. Guess what we saw? Guess what we heard? The Messiah is here. The Messiah has been born. They had simple faith. Simple faith that this baby who the angels told them about was the promised one, was the Messiah. Guys, let me tell you something. It's not about how much faith you have. It's not about knowing all the answers. It's what do you put your faith in. And the shepherd's choose to put their faith in the Savior. Because there's lots of examples of people who put a lot of faith in other things. And just look at the Bible stories. You can go back in Genesis, and Pharaoh put a whole lot of faith in his own gods. Pharaoh put a whole lot of faith in his army and his empire. and It failed him. There's this guy named Goliath. He put a whole lot of faith in his physical strength. And his ability to the point when he sees this little teenager with a sling, he's like, I don't have to worry. I can handle this. I've faced worse. And he bet on himself and failed. See, the rich young ruler put all his faith in his wealth and his ability and his knowledge. you it not know, let him down. What are you putting your faith in? Because if you put your faith in anything outside of Jesus, it will fail you. But Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. The story of the Bible is the story of a perfectly faithful God. A God who never changes. A God who is never without power. A God who never leaves you. A God who promises that you will never let anyone take you out of his hand. And so as we celebrate Christmas, as we look forward to Christmas, we remember that it that Emmanuel is an invitation to put our trust in the God who is perfectly trustworthy and always faithful. But it's it's more than that because it's also an invitation to action. Because faith is, we remember our definition, faith results in action. Faith is, is shown in the way that we act, right? That Again, the, the, the little simple chair example, my faith is proved when I sit down, when I put feet to my faith and demonstrate it. And so as we look at that, we look at the example of Joseph. So if you flip back a couple books to Matthew chapter 1, we see the story of Joseph. And again, this story comes out right as, as here's a, a, a young guy who's pledged to be married to a girl. And then he comes to find out that, that she's pregnant. And what's he supposed to do? So we read about in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I, I love Joseph. He's such a great, great character, although he... He plays this huge role in the Christmas story. Right? He gets to be the earthly father of Jesus, but his, his role in the storyline of Scripture is ra- rather short. You don't see much of him. In fact, by the time that Jesus is, is living out his earthly ministry, and we read it in the Gospels, uh, Joseph's nowhere to be seen. There's a good chance he had died. Right? Probably at, at the age of close to 50. Jesus coming on the scene in his young thirties, and Joseph is guy is probably as close to fifty, and, and, and died in some way, shape, or form. We don't know the details of it, but there's not a lot about him in that time period. And yet, what we see is a great example of somebody who put feet to their faith, who lived out here again. A, a, we're so familiar with this Christmas story that let's just take a moment and think about the reality of what just happened. Here's Joseph, a young guy, probably in his late teens, getting married. And he's pledged to be married to this girl, and all of a sudden it turns, he finds out that she's pregnant. He's a good guy, and the, the law requires that he's, he's like, well, maybe I can just divorce her and can just kind of sweep it under the rug and whatever. And, and he has this dream, and an angel appears to him in the dream and says, don't worry about it. God did this. The baby that's going to be born is God's son. He's the savior of the world, and I just need you to raise him for me. That's a huge ask, right? Like, put yourself in that that setting. like Really? Because I don't think this has ever happened to anyone ever in the history of the world, right? And, and you're just expecting me to believe that this is God's son, this is God in flesh, going to be born. So I'm named Jesus, and okay. But what what is Joseph's response? Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. That's faith. He took Mary as his wife, and he raised Jesus as his son, believing that this was God in the flesh. Okay, I say he believed, but do you know how many times he probably doubted, right? On their journey to, to Bethlehem for this census, it was 70 miles, so it's like not even here to Waterloo. It's you know, like, I think about that, it's like hour, right? This is gonna be like a week's journey for them because they had to walk. I don't plan on walking that far today, right? But it's this long journey with a pregnant wife, and on that journey, do you know how many times he was probably just thinking he's like, Is this real? Is this is this God's son, this promised Messiah that we've heard about it's happening right now with my pregnant wife? It's not my baby, but it's God's baby. You know how many times throughout Jesus' childhood where Joseph's working as a carpenter in the shop and he sees the kid run out there and he's just like, yeah, there's God. Or do you think he's really like, how many times do you think he's thinking, is this real? And he probably doubted again and again and again, and yet he kept choosing to obey. Joseph wasn't highly educated, man, he's a carpenter. He probably didn't know all the intricacies of the law, but he followed what he knew. He obeyed it. And when God sent an angel to visit him in his dreams, he did what was asked of him. And it wasn't this one-time deal, right? although this one time was a big thing. Right, It continues on as you read in, in Luke 22, after the baby is born, what does Joseph do? He takes Mary and the baby and they go to Jerusalem to the temple because the law required that you offer a sacrifice for your firstborn son. It costs money to do that and Joseph did it. He was obedient. And then when word spreads that, uh, and, and Herod knows, God sends another angel to him, he's like, hey, Again, hard to believe that you're h- hanging out here in this little town here, but the king wants to kill your son, and so he's going to come and just kind of like murder everybody in this region, so you need to go to Egypt. What's Joseph do? Packs up his family and heads to Egypt. Then later on, another angel comes over. says, Hey, it's safe. Go ahead and go back home. And he does. Joseph had this habit of acting in faith putting feet to his faith in actions and doing what was asked of him. Joseph just obeyed. He showed his faith by doing what was asked of him. And just like Joseph, Emmanuel, God with us, is an invitation to live out our faith. To put feet to our faith. To put into practice all the kingdom principles that are laid out in God's word. Because if God's word is true, if this message is true, then it has implications for every aspect of our life. And we're going to learn to walk in them take a step after step of obedience. But Emmanuel is also an invitation to prepare. And it's this inward preparation, right? And and this is, for me, this is the hard part because, man... Action is good. I can do action. Give me some things to do and I can start to do them. And if they're hard, I'm going to fail a bunch, but I'm going to keep trying. And I can do that part. But this idea of heart work, of changing the way I think about things, changing my priorities and my perspective, faith is heart work. And we see this in the story of Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, we see that whole story where an angel comes and tells Mary this incredible news that, hey, Mary, you're going to be pregnant and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you that somehow, miraculously, you're going to be with child and it's going to be the Son of God. And Mary's response in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. And what the story we read with the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, the response to all that is Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. And so, yes, Mary lived out her faith. She she raised a child. She put feet to her faith, but she also did this inward work of, of working on her heart. Because Mary is just like all of us. She was human. She had doubts. She had fears. And probably just like Joseph, there's lots of times she was like, how is this the Son of God? How is this the Messiah? Is it real? When Jesus starts his ministry, there's a point where Mary and Jesus' brothers are like trying to call him back. It's like he's out teaching, and they're like trying to get his attention. Like, come back home. She's probably questioning, like, what are you doing? This isn't the way it's supposed to work out. And I'm sure when Jesus was hanging on the cross, being crucified, Mary was having all those doubts, being like, How can this be? I don't get it. And yet she continued to prepare. Because you see, faith is this constant process of choosing to believe again. This constant process of choosing to believe again, even when the facts don't measure up, even when doubt creeps in. Faith is choosing to believe again. Too often we want to write faith off as this one-time deal. I put faith in something, done, period, it's set. But faith is this constant process. Whatever life throws at me, you know what? I'm choosing to believe again. I'm choosing to believe in in this space. And so we have that same invitation before us, is, is this preparation work inside of us. That faith means we begin to prepare inwardly really to, to transform the way we think as we learn to trust again and again and again. And so we come back to, to Hebrews chapter 11. And I love coming to this chapter because not only does it start with this great definition of faith, but, but then it's kind of like this Cliff Notes version of the Bible. And in this one chapter, they try to squeeze in like the whole Old Testament almost. Every story is kind of like, they just breeze through of of story after story of these incredible people who who put feet to their faith, who understood this call of of God on their life and, and walked in obedience and did some, again, as you look through these stories, just incredible things. Abel offering his sacrifice, Noah building an ark where there's no water. And Jacob and Abram and Moses and time after time people who, who stepped out in faith believing what God told them and, and choosing to take a step of obedience. But it's more than just that because All throughout the chapter, time after time after time, as we see these incredible demonstrations of faith, all these examples of people who did what God asked them to do, even when the odds seemed stacked against them. Here's the incredible thing about this chapter. it's, It's not so much about these ordinary people, but as you read through it, you see time after time after time, this consistent theme that runs through the Bible. It's not incredible people with perfect faith. It's imperfect people with a little bit of faith who chose to put their faith in a faithful, perfect God. You see, time after time, these people took what little faith they had and they put in a perfect God, trusting that He was going to meet them in that next step. And so this reality of God with us, it's an invitation to take a step of faith trusting that God will meet us in that next step. And as we take that next step, then it's choosing to believe again that God will meet us in that next thing. I don't know what life is (laughs) throwing your way. I don't know what things that you're facing or your difficulties are, but the promise of God's Word is that God is with us. And He promises to be with us time after time, step after step as we walk with obedience. Really, it's an invitation to live a life of obedience. Preparing and to, to say yes to the next thing that he asks us to do. And trusting the perfect track record that he has set before us. Which is why when you go into Hebrews chapter 12, after going through that whole list of all the stories, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders us And the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Advent season is a time of preparation. As we look to the promise of a coming Savior. It's a consistent inward practice of choosing to believe even when we're not sure it makes sense. Faith reminds us that we need a Savior and that Jesus came to be that Savior. And we eagerly await his return. So as we celebrate Advent, we we started last week with lighting the Advent candles. And we do it again this week too as we remember that the first candle represents hope. Right, that, that God with us means hope. That regardless of how dark the world is, no matter how hard things may be, we have incredible hope because we have a God who came to rescue us and who saves us. And the second candle is our response of faith. That we have a God who loves us and has pursued us and rescued us, and He is perfectly faithful and worthy of all of our faith. And so Advent is a time to remember all of that. And it's a chance for us to put our hope and trust in a Savior who loves us and who has rescued us and who who will never fail us. Let's praise, as then we get ready to stand up and sing our closing song. Father God, we thank you for that incredible truth that you promised to be with us, that you will never leave us. And so in light of that, we're invited to put our faith in you and to put our faith into action as we live out what you are calling us to do. Not having all the answers, but trusting that as we take a step of obedience, you will meet us in that next step. And that you will never fail us. So Jesus, we put our trust in you again today.